Welcome to Raising Our Voices, the 30th anniversary celebration. Highlights and voices from the program of Amida and Reinforce. Is self-advocacy on the map? Panel members are Peter Waters from Raising Our Voices, Jen Hartgrave from Women with Disabilities Victoria, Peter Ferguson from Brain Injury Matters, Chloe Stewart from ICANN Network, Liz Cairns from NDIA, Sue Smith from SARU, Trisha Maloney, who is comedian. Enjoy. Okay, let me run a bit. I'm in the demo. On behalf My question is um, directed to Liz Gans. Sorry, Liz. <laughs> um, if people with a disability are not, uh, aren't happy with their, with what they're getting, right? Th- through the NDIS, can self advocates play a role, and if so, how? Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest way to get something um, resolved is to have a conversation with your planner. And you might feel okay about doing that yourself or you might need some support to do that. Um, So that goes to advocacy more broadly, but also maybe um, working with the people that are around you to help you develop the, the strategies to have that conversation. How can we as self advocates and our movement play a role in protecting the most vulnerable of our people, people with and um, a bit of a Thanks for that question. It's a good question. And like Trish was saying earlier, um, people with disabilities used to um, often live in institutions and the abuse in there was an institutionalised thing. It was a, a systemic thing. But more and more, as um, people with disabilities are receiving services in small groups and now individually, the um, abuse they experience is becoming more and more secret. The reason we know about it, it, the reason it's a big issue today, is because of self-advocates. And I think self-advocates hold the key to solving or to reducing, um, I guess hold the key to solving the problem in a lot of ways because from our research we know that um, violence against people with disabilities in disability settings is very similar to violence against other types of people, so violence against women and family violence. And the thing they all have in common is differences in power. And the reason self-advocacy is so important is that's about empowering people with disabilities. And, you know... One of the other great things about self-advocates is that they can train um, people working in sectors about safety. So at the moment, um, Women with Disabilities Victoria is running training about violence against women and family violence and gender equity for people working in disability services. And some of the women here today have been involved in that training. And the other type of education that workforces need is about how to be disability accessible. So places like Centres Against Sexual Assault, police stations, magistrates, courts, Geelong train station, (laughs) hospitals and family violence services. Self-advocates 
us um, have so many strengths to be able to teach those organisations and those systems about our rights and our requirements. I'm Susan and today I have a fellow member from the Powerful Parenting Group. Hello to Andrew. Hi, how are We are a group of people with intellectual disability who have lost their children or are at risk of losing their children to protective services. We have formed a group because large numbers of people with intellectual disability are affected by this issue and we believe it is one of discrimination. Protective services can work to reunite parents who have harmed their children with their kids, but when a parent has an intellectual disability, this is not usually the goal. Even if the parent has never harmed their children, we think this is unfair. Our mission statement is that everyone should have the hope to be reunited with their children one day. We also believe that all parents should get the support they need to parent so they don't lose their children. Access is a big issue. Andrew, can you tell us a bit about your issues with access? Do you get the access to your child that you would like? Uh, this, I, got, I got him this weekend. I got and it would be our second sleepover. The first sleepover was unreal. It was had no issues with him being with, in my home and unsupervised. Have you ever had to have supervised access and was this an issue? I said at first I agreed to have supervision because it was my first child and I think I would need someone to make sure I did the right thing by my child. Another important issue is training in parenting. Protective services sometimes argue we can't control our children, but they base this on the past. They only look at your skills now, not what you could learn. They don't train at your pace. They say less time is given to train the parent because the quicker the decision is made, is the better for the child. When did they take your child away from you? It was decided fully when she was about two or three, but our, in our case it was a pre-birth notification, so... Even though they said they hadn't and they wouldn't until they had seen me parenting, so, you know, just sort of stayed in the background while she was in the womb, um, I, I had felt that they had already 
made up their mind. And I, I thought, well, hang on a minute, she's not even out yet. Can you just give me a chance to prove myself? And I was just, you know, willing to get whatever support I could, even knowing that that probably wouldn't be much, but get whatever support I could to look after my child. But unfortunately, they sort of talked both me and my partner into, well, they said it like this, do you want to make what decision is best for your daughter? I'm like, of course you do. What parent doesn't? And so with that, you know, I didn't feel like I had a comeback at that stage for that because I wasn't involved with Reinforce, which is another self-advocacy group that I'm involved with now. I wasn't involved with self-advocacy at all. I didn't really know about my rights and... Yeah, I guess at that stage I was just all trying to do whatever they said. So they said jump, I would say how high to try and see if I could get my daughter back. And I don't believe it should be that hard for parents with an intellectual disability. It's a radio program about people with a disability from people with a disability. It breaks it. Underwater and ignorance. It helps people better understand us. Yes, I agree with Jeff. It is in a small way raising awareness of the particular hassle faced by people with disability and, in fact, Lives of disabled people. It's important for people to have their voices heard. Happy anniversary, raising our voices. Today we'll be talking about um, ABI, which is acquired brain injury, and change. And today I've got with me Jeff Shaw from Give a Care. From Give a Care and from BIM, Brain Injury Matters. And we've also got Peter Ferguson, who's a president of Brain Injury Matters. Hi. Hi. Hmm. And we'll be talking about change, which is kind of really relevant to um, acquired brain injury in that everything changes because the brain's been injured. Change generally happens day to day in all lives but particularly to people with a brain injury, it happens because they have to change, like, their entire essence. Many people experience change in their lives, but with a brain injury in particular, changes it can happen to their personality or their um, physical being, different parts of their body generally. and it can, Or it can be specific to the brain, which means intellectually. Mm-hmm. Once people find out you have a brain injury, um, they quickly think that you, as a person with a brain injury, can't think. That there are physical changes that people can see um, that shapes their opinion about how competent they think you are. But there are the mental changes, 
mental. Now, I don't know if that describes it well. But anyway, there are the mental changes that people can't see. Um, but you're dealing with an actual person here. And that requires respect. That requires understanding. Hmm. Yeah, you're having for a bit much. Hmm. For some people, yes. <laughs> Jeff, your opinion? I've got a theory where I think that people after a brain injury just lose abilities, like part of abilities, so like speaking, say this, at this ten box, maybe you're missing five of them, but you can still talk fine. And you can still think fine. No balance. Maybe you're missing a bit of balance. But that's... Sorry. That's a... (laughs) (laughs) We all are thinking perfectly the same as we always was. We're just having trouble with... A few aspects of the way we now move mm. and think. Yeah. How have you found this, Peter? Let me think. <laughs> it's a, a huge issue. I have, I take it for granted now that. People treat me just by the physical changes they say. I have done a few positive things and other people are really shocked and amazed by this. They, they automatically think that I don't like using the word I'm a retard Hmm. and it's very demoralizing but on the other hand the only way is up Hmm. you're listening to raising our voices on 3CR Now we'll talk about the possible positive changes that have happened with ABI. Um, Jeff? Well, I reckon you get a lot of peace and quiet. (laughs) 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 Probably because you don't have much, many people around you at (laughs) any particular (laughs) time. (laughs) And what I say isn't particularly exciting. No, it isn't. (laughs) <laughs> the positive kind of experience is a huge growth in my tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of describing things. <laughs> tolerance for it is the <laughs> I experience it on a daily basis. So I've become inured to it. Hmm. 
a lot of people think it's us versus them, and they forget that I'm a human being just like them. And for example, years ago, now I met a doctor at my family cleaning, and he said, "Do I have to speak loudly and slowly?" <laughs> I said, "No, you <laughs> don't." <laughs> <laughs> And he was a doctor. <laughs> Now, do you think that that needs to change in the world? And how would you go about doing that, or set about trying to achieve it? Hmm. I don't know really. Awareness raising is the mantra of BIM, and my dream is to. Make a short five-minute in-your-face ad like the TACS, and show it at mainstream cinemas, and raise people awareness in that way.、Hmm. Welcome to raising our voices. I'm Ray. Today we're here with、uh, Pauline. Hello, Pauline. Hello, Ray. Peter Waters. Hello, Peter.、Uh, hello, hello, Paul. How are you, Bud? All right, thank you. Yep, pretty good, Pete. Thanks for coming in again. No problem. Last time we spoke, you were going to ride your scooter from Sydney to Melbourne to raise money for kids with disabilities. It was called Muddy's Wacky Scooter Bash. So now you're back, but I think first of all we need a round of applause. Well, well done, Peter. What a great effort! What a great effort, Peter. What a great effort! Was it funny? Yeah, was it fun? Fun, not really. Fun's not the word. <laughs> I think I was. It was the best thing I've ever done. Um, to win, I'm riding a wheelchair through town that I never knew existed. Um, down hills, up hills, you name it. Yeah, it was definitely fun. Definitely fun. That's great. Glad to hear it was fun. And was it was it hard work too? I thought it was hard work. Yeah, but it was enjoyable hard work. It was not a chore. We enjoyed doing that hard work. Yeah, it was hard work. But we came and did it and did it well. That's great. So you set yourself a challenge, but I'm wondering, what did you learn about yourself along the way? I can do it. You can do it. Yeah, that's right. And what determination told me that? Oh, not everyone can do it, but there are other people out there who can do it. 
and 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 if there are barriers, you find a way around them or yeah. over them or yeah. under them or whichever way you've got to yeah. go. Yeah, we have a lot of barriers put before, but we overcome them. Well, um, thanks, Pete. Congratulations on an incredible effort. Well done. Thank you, Paul. And again, thank you to all people out there. Happy anniversary! Raising our voices. Yeah, boom. Welcome to 3CR Community Radio. Well, we interviewed quite a few people today on um, public transport. We did, um, Norrie and Tim and Luke um, and myself, Pauline. How are you, guys? Good, good, good. We're good. Yeah, and Raising Our Voices has decided today is our public transport special. Yes. It is, yep. So we went down to Flinders Street, didn't we? Yes, we we did. We certainly did, and did some interviews. That's right. A lot of people um, spoke to us, and today Mm -hmm. we're going to play some of those people, but we did speak to a lot of people. Yes, we did. You take public transport, what would cheese you off? Uh, when it doesn't turn up. What more would you like to see a, to see done on public transport to make it feel better? The, uh, they, they might say that it's a high priority, but if, they, if it really was a high priority, they'd crack on and build the, the new rail link rather than mucking around with this road that nobody really wants. If, if they're serious about it, just do it. Quit talking about it, you know. Okay, thanks for your time. Cool, thank you. You, you take public transport, don't you? Yes, I do. Okay. Public Transport of Victoria says that it is, last year uh, public satisfaction was at a high, at an all-time high. I don't... Well, I have friends who use public transport a lot and I don't know that they would necessarily agree. But, I mean, there's lots of it, so I guess that's a positive. You have to always look at there. there's a positive. There is lots of different types of public transport. The Victorian government says public transport is at a high priority. What more would you like to see done on public transport to make it better? I always feel sorry for people who live very far out because I think that when they build new suburbs, the last thing they think about is public transport. So for those people, they move into new areas and they've often isolated. So I think that they really need to do something about people in the sort of outer areas. Okay, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much for asking me. Welcome back to Raising Our Voices. You just heard voices from Flinders Street Station. Not satisfied. That's right. They they, um, told us that it was the year of the highest satisfaction rating ever, but we didn't find anyone that felt that way, did we? No, we didn't. (laughs) We're not quite sure who they talked to. This program is coming from outer space. Outer space can be a big, big wide, with stars and moons and planets. Yes, 
Yes, you're in Star Trek land. And you're in Oz Trek land too. Stay tuned to the program, which is now coming to you on 3 855 on the AM band. Hello out there in Spaceland. And thank you for tuning in to Raising Our Voices on Outer Space. Welcome to Raising Our Voices, and my name is Amanda, and with me is is Maria, and today's show is about the fan clubs that, that, that include people with disabilities, and, and both Maria and I are both involved in sci-fi groups, and Maria is interested in the the area of Doctor Who fan club. Oh yes and and uh, and, 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 and yes yeah, yes we got our good friend Mal on the phone and she she is the president of Ostrak and we are a Star Trek fan club <laughs> folks and and now I've got, and she is now our special guest today on Raising Our Voices, and she's the president of Oztrack, and hiya Mal. Hi Amanda, how are you? All good, fighting fit and dangerous to be rattled like a snake. <laughs> and, uh, and the first question is, um, can 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 you tell the listeners out there what is Oztrack? Oztrack. Oztrack is the second oldest Star Trek fan club in the world, and we're based in Melbourne. And as you know, Amanda, we have our meetings once a month at the Northgate Town Hall, which is the first Saturday of each month, and we get together and we talk about Star Trek. We have an open-door policy, so everyone is welcome. It doesn't matter what package you arrive in, as long as you arrive and you enjoy conversations about Star Trek, um, yeah, everyone's welcome. Would, would Star Trek um, be your part and benefit from having people with disabilities turn up and get involved? Yeah, absolutely. When we have open conversations, we want everyone to be involved. So it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you come from, as long as you like Star Trek and as long as you like to get involved and have conversations, we always encourage that. So absolutely. And just something just flicked through my brain here now that I, ha- I haven't even thought of. Um, do you realise that we've just made history on uh, on... One and three CR as as well as Oz Trek, well as Star Trek, and this is also a new program that we've never done on raising our voices. So us three combined have made history on three CR on the eight fifty five on AM band. In oh, other words, wonderful. Star Trek invades three CR. 
It's fantastic. And I thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your fighting words, Mel, and I'll see you the next time round. And yes. yes, we've made history, folks. And, and now we're sliding to the start. And thank you, Mel. You've been listening to Raising Our Voices on 3CR. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll be back next month. Happy anniversary, Raising Our Voices. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.